When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Holding Pocket. It's time now for the Chipping Forecast, issued by Folding Pocket on behalf of Andrew Cotter, Eddie Pepperell and special guest Ian Carter. Hello everyone, good tidings uh, to the and welcome to the Chipping Forecast. My name is Andrew Cotter and I am joined as ever by um, Eddie Pepperell who's off to Dubai soon. Hello Eddie. Morning. Good, good chat already. And Ian Carter, regular special guest who is already in Dubai. I can see him in his lovely looking room and uh, hopefully there's not too much of a delay. Hopefully Wi-Fi in Dubai is amazing, balls. Yeah, hopefully it's not too bad. How did that sound? Was that a bit slow? Well, no, I asked you that. We started this pod about 20 minutes ago. (laughs) There are going to be two contributory factors here. One, I've flown overnight, so I will be naturally slow, and there could be a delay on on here as well. But uh, as ever, as a good guest, I, I felt it was my duty to come and do a quick recce for Eddie before he gets out here. So uh, so I'm out here nice and early. Really? Okay. Are you and Eddie hooking up? Are you in, in Dubai or are you in professional mode whereby Eddie is his first tournament of this season, leave him to do his thing, don't go over to him on the range and say, is that the pro sender and can I stop <laughs> you for a chat during your during your work? Or are you? I'd, I hate approaching golfers on the range at the best of times. I, I'm going to be leaving Eddie well alone. I think we've got a l- little date t- tomorrow night, haven't we, Eddie? Just to have a, a little chat with a few people. Oh, have you? Oh. Yeah, so a bit, it's last time I saw Ian on the range, he actually came over and, and put the pro sender on uh, at, at the range of the Scottish Show and then started hitting balls. Yeah. I mean, it was just unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, just working, working his way through your bag and uh, just pushing you aside and uh, shanking it down the line like tin cup. I thought it would help. Hmm. Good confidence. Good. Excellent. We're off to a fluent start. There's a little bit of a delay to Dubai, but there we go. Um, Dubai, what, what are we going to start with this week, Ian? You can um, say, I mean, there's a lot of news stuff floating around in the crazy wide world of golf. Shall we pick over the weekend's tournaments and then get into the the departures and the news? I think that's a good idea because there was just quite a lot to go at as far as the the tournament golf is concerned. Um, A really dramatic finish, uh, both sides of the pond. Sony Open in Hawaii with Grayson Murray holding a 40-footer to win the playoff, um, to to win there. But 
Tommy Fleetwood edging out Rory McIlroy, who had three putts from two feet on the 14th and hit the ball into the water on the 18th. Um, but, uh, you know, just a, 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 a actually an enthralling sort of climax to, to that Dubai Invitational, which sets us up nicely for this week. Tommy Fleetwood edging out Ken Wayand. <laughs> yes. Edging him out by 72 shots. A couple of people have already got in touch and said, I hope you'll be discussing this. I mean, obviously we're going to discuss it. And this isn't a um, an absolute takedown of Ken Wayand. It's a, I'll tell you who was all over the press, online, in every publication. It was um, European Tour Golfer, DP World Tour Golfer, gets angry at. And who was that golfer that everyone was quoting? It was Eddie Pep. Eddie Pepperell and Jamie, your caddy as well. Well, what annoys me a bit about this stuff, and this is why I'm never going to do another article ever in person with a Golf Monthly or a Bunkered or whoever it might be, because they just sensationalize this nonsense. I mean, I wasn't angry. I made a joke about Ken. They said he shouldn't have been there. But to say I was angry and to try and turn it into this headline and then, you know, whatever, it just does my head in. It's happened so often recently. Different rant, but... You know, he uh, he shouldn't have been there. That's I mean, the way it, the world works. Are you, are you just realising that whatever you well, say? Well, I know, but it. it's just golf has become these outlets have just become just ridiculous. But uh, everyone's just trying to be heard, Eddie. Just just clicky. We we last week we did our chat with Laurie Cantor, and I jokingly said if we put block letters and exclamation marks in our pod description, <laughs> maybe it'll get um, you know a bit of traction. And suddenly I was getting um, uh, responses from. Live bots and uh, and people and and people getting right into it because we said live inside or tells all exclamation mark. Um, although it was a very very good chat with Laurie, but um, I think I think it genuinely that's the problem. I think it genuinely works if you do put a, something up there that suggests there's more into it. You know when um, Eddie Pepperell says he's going to go on the rampage um, after. Well, there's no doubt. There's no doubt it works in terms of getting clicks, but my obviously from my perspective and I'm not a big player, but you know, if I was any golfer now, I wouldn't do any interviews with these people. And and I used to do interviews with those, with those magazines when they are, when they asked, but that won't happen moving forward. And I think look at Rory's comments on the media, he's clearly fed up. So I just think it's going to backfire for these people if they want any sort of, um, you know, yeah. Are you going to speak to Ian tomorrow night? Absolutely. I always speak to Ian on the range. <laughs> He's going to sensationalise it. <laughs> Andrew, I think we should we should just do a, a, a bit of a Ken Wayand deep dive. Yes. Just, just, just to Explain. put it all into a bit of context. So, yes. Yeah, so Ken Wayand is the, is the professional at Michael Jordan's club. And it's not just the club that Michael Jordan is a member of. It's the club that Michael Jordan started. It's club... XXIII, Club 23 in Florida, in uh, reference to his famous number with the Chicago Bulls, 23. It looks an amazing place. It's not too far from Jupiter. It's just inland a little bit. <laughs> so it's amazing sort of rectangle. If you look at it in Google Maps that has been set out, but then the pictures are, it, I mean, it does look like a sensational golf course and club where obviously a lot of the great and good are members. Ken Wayand is the club professional there. Now for the Dubai Invitational, which is, as its name suggests, an invitational, uh, and in Dubai, it is um, it is based on the top sixty, but 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 also it, the the man who runs it, who is uh, Abdullah Al Nabuda. It's his tournament, and he wanted Michael Jordan to play. Michael Jordan was going to play. Michael Jordan said he would play if his club professional got to play as well. Michael Jordan eventually said that he's not going to play. But um, the the invitation to Ken Wayand, the club professional from Florida, 54-year-old chap, he did play. 
and and he shot 53 over par, which was 87, 82, 82, 86, something like that. Uh, yeah. And, and it is, you know, Eddie it w- was the sort of um, figurehead for the, not the anti-way and stuff, but the anti, the fact that this person has the invitation to play. Saw a couple of other people saying that, well, it sponsors invitations. This happens all the time that... Um, you know, I could understand if Michael Jordan was playing, that would be a draw for some people. He's he's not a very good golfer at all in the grand scheme of things, Michael Jordan, but it'd be interesting to watch him play. People would come along to watch, but people are not going to come along to watch Ken Wayne shoot 53 over par. So I think sponsors' invitations in general, uh, Eddie, you're not absolutely against those because those happen, those are part of the deal, but this one in particular just jarred. And you think about the other M. Jordan, Matthew Jordan, who's the next person on the list not getting in. They could have just put M. Jordan up on the board and people would have flocked. Go, he's a lot smaller, a lot paler than I yeah. remember from the last dance. But um, go, he plays well. Yeah, that's a very good idea. I should have, I should have done that and, and considered that. But that's exactly the point. I'm not against sponsors' invitations. And of course, normally they happen in fields of 120 or 150 guys. And so it's much easier to digest, I think, even if somebody does shoot 53 over par. And of course, as we've seen recently with the Lexi Thompsons, you know, they add, they bring in quite a lot of commercial value and I can totally understand it, but this was an invitational and it was a short man of fit. It was a short man field and, and a limited field event. And there's a lot of guys that have kept their cards, frankly, last year, like Matt Jordan, who I would say deserve to be there ahead of Ken shooting 53 over par. And so uh, it's an embarrassment for the tour. Frankly, that's who I feel upset for is the tour because it reflects badly on them. Rather than us just talking about Tommy and Rory, which is all we should be doing, we're talking about a guy who shot 53 over par, and that's that's the issue here. It's that balance, isn't it, between having legitimate competition and spicing it up for commercial reasons. And I guess the commercial reason here was it was to keep the host happy to have this guy playing. And that, to me, though, just smacks of complete self-indulgence because this... These, you know, if you're going to invite someone to play, then they've got to bring something to the party that is going to be sellable to an audience, whether that's on television or actually in in the week of of the tournament. And as Andrew quite rightly says, you know, Matthew Jordan missed out. It could have been anyone who would otherwise have been eligible if this this fella hadn't hadn't played. Um, but um, one thing I would say, Andrew, and I think definitely needs to be highlighted and he needs to be congratulated on, is that he did not NR. He did not, but, and we said this isn't a total takedown of... Uh of Ken Wayne, um, it's a takedown of the fact that he's there. But the, the, uh, there should be a little bit of a takedown of him because he shouldn't really be accepting the invitation. He should be saying, "Look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not good. No, I'm a club professional. I'm a, you know, a, but you know, be, because of his connections, he gets the invitation. But he should be saying, "Listen, this isn't for me. I don't belong out there." And the other thing is that you know, it can be a distraction for somebody who you're playing with. Now, whoever he was playing with in the latter rounds were quite far down the field anyway, but it's just, it's not, it, it's not a good look as much as anything else. I wonder if it was a bit like that time on the BBC News where they, they brought the cleaner in to be the technology expert and uh, and he it was too late to just turn down the... Uh... Well, technically speaking, he wasn't the cleaner, he was a taxi driver. He'd arrived. A guy, what's his name? Guy... <clears throat> Oh, I can't remember now. Anyway, that yes, one of the greatest clips of all time. But uh, it was a little, it was a little bit like that. I mean, he was there, and he just thought, "I'll muddle through, and hopefully, no one will notice that I'm not 
Ken Duke. I'm Ken. Ken Brown. Oh, Ken. Give an invitation to Ken Brown. You'd have, you'd have nerdled it around yeah. in his favourite word. He would have, oh, Ken. Other Kens we could, away. what other Kens could we have had? I mean, obviously, Eddie suggested Ken from Barbie, which would have had a big draw if it was, you know, Ryan Ken Gosling. Barlow. Ken Barlow. I mean, he's getting on a little bit now. Ken Barlow, Bill Roach. Is it Bill Roach? Yes. Yes. There's a plaque up in the, the vets that we occasionally got. So I've said it and she's right beside me. One of them's right beside me. And I usually spell it out so they don't. Anyway, uh, <laughs> and there's a plaque up that said Bill Roach. Uh, he opened the vets. So, um, so they don't like Bill Roach when they, when they see him in Coronation Street. I think he's still in Coronation Street, isn't he? He pops no up idea. occasionally with a scene. Well, he certainly wasn't Red Ken. I know that. Red Ken. Ken Livingston could have played in the... <laughs> Ken Livingston could have played in the Dubai Invitational. Other Kens, Ken Kershaval, who played uh, Cliff Barnes, although he's, he's unfortunately dead now, so that wouldn't have been a big draw. Other Kens, <laughs> it'd have been a good story. Kenny Taylor, Ken, oh, oh Kenny, it's Benny Kenny Taylor, died. isn't it? Ken, Benny Taylor, Benny Taylor, uh, Benny Taylor missed the cut in uh, Hawaii, which we'll get on to uh, in a moment. Kenneth Branagh, our producer, Ollie, saying yes, that would be good. Kenny Dalglish, decent golfer. Um, Probably would have scored better. I mean, I did say jokingly, I said, I think Ken Wayne's score is almost exactly what I would have shot for four rounds over the tournament setup of those tees. I think I would have, I think I would have been about. I mean, Tommy's obviously beat him by a shot a hole. A shot a hole. I was trying to think, you know, if I, when I'm playing the Dunhill Links and I'm playing with an amateur partner, an amateur partner who's pretty bad, I'm not even sure. I'm not sure I beat Michael Bloomberg by a shot a hole, and he he was 80 and could barely walk in the weather. So, I, I it's just um, yeah, I, I don't know how he ended up playing, but uh, it doesn't reflect very well on the tournament. Yes, but when you're playing with Michael Bloomberg, were you trying to be generous and make him look good, as you do with any, as you should do with any sort of influential person? I see. Well, I saw that Abdullah Al Nabuda was leading of the, <laughs> the the amateur event going into the final round. Oh, what a surprise! Yeah, that's good. No, you can take that away. What are you playing off? 32. No, fine. Absolutely, you can have that handicap. Um, I don't think he won it in the end. I think he was second. So um, the guy who organised the tournament. Um, I'm I'm still trying to think of other Kens. Ken Bowsfield. He was a good golfer. Uh, Ken. 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 Kenny Burns. Right, footballer. Ken Dodd. Burns. Ken Dodd. Oh, Ken Dodd. Is Ken Dodd? Ken Dodd is no longer. No, he's with no us, longer with us. He's, he's, he's no longer with he's us. Got his tickle stick up up and up above. Up above. He's yeah. tickling everyone up yeah. above and. Not necessarily uh, paying all these heavenly taxes, right? So we will go on to well. Uh, uh, we, we should. should, oh should no. What 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 do we make of of McElroy and Fleetwood and and actually the interesting end of the leaderboard? Well, I, I saw the three part. Uh, three part from two feet sounds dramatic, but it's not really because if you, you know, he actually thought he he had hold the first one, but if you if you wrap it, if you really just go for just powering it into the back of the hole then obviously it's going to go about four. I mean, it went about four feet past. So it's just really the story is really just missing a four-footer coming back pretty much. So, you know, I think McElroy, I don't know. That's I don't it. think many editors would agree with that, that the stories of missing a four-footer coming back. It's three, it's three putting from two feet. No, but it's not three. That's three the putts. story. Shy, shy guys don't get sweets. We told this story, but Mickelson speaking to, and I can't remember which player it was, said, how many three putts have you... How many four putts have you had? Sorry, he said. And the guy said, I've never four putted. And said, Well, that's the difference. See, Mickelson said, I have four putted quite a lot because I go for things. I hit it. You know, he, so you, you know. Famously at Shinnecock, I suspect that was maybe even a five putt. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, I don't know what no, that was. I, I, to Ian's point, I thought it was interesting. I, I actually, um, 
I think I was watching it at that point when he hit that tee shot in and then I didn't watch the rest of it and uh, I didn't realise that that was the hole where he three-putted from two feet. Um, you know, watching Rory, I thought his iron play looked absolutely wonderful, which is always a nice sign for Rory. But uh, clearly yesterday he struggled off the tee and, and more so than 18. Uh, he will feel like he's lost that event for sure and I think he has. Um, that being said, for Tommy, it was a great win and, and no one ever begrudges seeing Tommy win and he doesn't maybe win as often as he should, given how brilliant he is at the game, certainly tee to green. So I think that'll do his confidence the world of good and going into this week as well, those two guys playing as well as they are, I think it's, well, A, it's ominous for the rest of the field, but um, it's uh, it was it was a good, it was the best, you know, the event other than Ken, Ken of course, performing the way he did. From the event's perspective, it was, uh, it was just what he needed at the top end of the leaderboard. And it's just what Tommy needed as well, having been in contention so many times last year and, you know, ever since his most recent win, which was in South Africa, um, to get over the line, albeit in a limited field with not the greatest purse. What did he win? $330,000. But that, that win will be more, way more valuable than $330,000 to him, won't it? Yes, I would agree with that. Um, sign of the times, three hundred thirty thousand dollars. It's uh, it's tippants. It's it's it's, not, it's, nothing. it's nothing. Nothing. Ken Wayne got six and a half thousand pounds. So seven and a half thousand euros or so. Sorry, the dogs are. Mabel's got a squeaky toy and is rolling around on the floor to. You know. Ah, there she is. Sorry. Oh God, and Olive's getting in there. I'll just cut away from that. Right. Okay. Um, okay. Well, let's. There we are. Tommy Fleetwood wins in Dubai. Uh, Seventy-two shots clear. Ken Wayne who heads back to um, the Grove. Did I call it Club? I think I called it Club 23. It's the, gr- yeah, it's Grove, it's the Grove 23. Mm. Yeah. Grove 1, that's near Watford. Um, I think I'm going down there next month to do something. Anyway, Sony Open. Corporate. Uh, yes. Sony Open in Hawaii. Hang on. Well, just, just one other thing on, oh. on McElroy. Yes. Um, just, just to say, I think I, think I might be in some kind of um, biorhythmic uh, sync with with uh, Rory McIlroy at the moment because um, he's three-putted from two feet on the 14th hole yesterday. In my round in the club competition, guess what I did on the 14th hole? Walked in? I should have done. Three-putted from two feet. Mm-hmm. And on the eighth hole, I took a qu- uh, which is also a par three at our place, I took a quadruple uh, seven. It was my 17th hole. But of course, he had his his quad in the second round on yeah, the eighth hole as well. So I just thought that was all a little spooky. The difference is that your three putt from two feet, you'll have lagged your first putt. No, um, I didn't. I missed the hole actually. Oh, and they're bucket holes as well. <laughs> no, they're not bucket holes. <laughs> oh. oh, banter, bants. Um, uh. Right, Grayson Murray. Wins in Hawaii. Grayson Murray, popular figure. So he won after the first hole of a playoff, I think it was, with Keegan Bradley and Ben Ann. It's his second tour win. He won the Barbasol back in 2017, which isn't the strongest event. But um, So he lost his card a couple of seasons ago with Grayson Murray. And then he won twice in the Corn Ferry Tour last year to get it back. Um, and then got rid of his cat, the caddy who had been with him. Kip Henley is a really a nice guy. I used to see him out in China. Who was he carrying for? I think he carried for Brian Gay, Kip Henley. Anyway, he's he's quite good value on Twitter as well. So, uh, but then Grayson Murray sacked him in November and then won one and a half million last night to which Kip Henley tweeted, ouchie, uh, <laughs> as he won it. Uh, but Grayson Murray's been very active on Twitter over the years. He's not, uh, he's gotten some spats uh yeah, he's got some interesting opinions. So he must be one of the only golfers I haven't gotten into a spat with, actually. 
I know you should come step up your game. Oh, scared of him. Uh, I think he he has had issues as well uh, with um, he, he's been sober for eight months now. He's had issues with alcohol and um, maybe that's led to some of his social media stuff. But there we are. Um, so winner in Hawaii. Quite appropriate that he wins uh, this week, Chris Kirk the week before, and you know everyone doing dry January again. Spooky. Yeah. Did we talk about dry January? Are you doing dry, dry January? No, you're not. Yeah. No. 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 No, 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 Eddie's not, clearly. Um, so just a, a few other... Uh, I've already had a drink this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I know, we're, we're recording this. We started at 7.45 this morning. I mean, what's the, because Eddie's got to get to the airport, um, flying out to Dubai to get there just in time for the pro-am. Uh, is there a pro-am at Dubai Desert Classic? It's two. There's one on Tuesday and Wednesday. I'm in the Wednesday one this week. This week, Another but... Uh, big players one, yeah. The big, mm. the big, or do they get the big names out on Tuesday because they want to do their... No, they pay the big bucks for the guys on Wednesday. Do you know who you're playing with? No, no, no. No, I don't. Probably three bandits. Three banditos. All right, so Bob McIntyre, we made the cut 52nd in Hawaii. Matt Fitzpatrick missed the cut, I noticed. Mm. It doesn't necessarily mean anything early on, but um, Will Zalatoris uh, missed the cut 76-69. He's just sort of hopefully feeling his way back in after his uh, back issues. Adrian Dumont de Chassard, he had a shocker after I bigged him up last week. 77-73. 10 over par alongside Blazer Canna. Yeah. <laughs> Everywhere, everyone we bigged up last week <laughs> bombed mm. out. Emiliano Grillo finished seventh. We had an email. Um, Dear all, from Marcos. Marcos Dandy from El Dorado. Uh, no, from Marcos. Dear all, after the successful completion of the Ludwig Ober pronunciation campaign last year, I've noticed a certain aimlessness and lack of purpose in Andrew's part as we begin 2024. You've no idea how right you are there. Marcos, may I suggest you take on Emiliano Grillo's cause? As the three of you surely know, after countless paellas, uh, paellas, <laughs> pollo sandwiches, and watching Seve Ballesteros, the double L in Spain is pronounced as a Y, not as um, not as an L. The US TV announcer, says Marcos, insists on calling him Grillo. Yeah. Um, and Grillo, by the way, means cricket, says uh, Marcos in Spanish. Oh, cricket. Talking of Emiliano and Tommy, have I told you the story? So I'll tell it very quickly if I haven't about the time in Argentina when me and Tommy went out there for England and played a team competition and an individual competition. We were amateurs. It was towards the end of our amateur careers and Tommy was very good. And we went out there and playing this tournament and we were leading the team event going into the final day. And Tommy was leading the individual just ahead of Emiliano going into the final day. And we had these unbelievable rains. So we played pick and place for the final round. But it was pick and replace, which I thought was really odd. And I didn't read the little sheet we got on the first tee. So I was just playing pick and place within six inches as we do. Get all the way to the last green and my playing partner, I said to him, am I on the fairway? Can I pick and place it? He said, yeah, you can pick and replace it. And I thought, well, that's odd. Why has he brought that up? So anyway, I you know, picked it up, cleaned it and put it on a lovely little lie and chipped it in close. And when he he refused to mark my card, he accused me of cheating. He said, you moved your ball. I said, well, yeah, I've been doing it the whole, the whole round. <laughs> And he said, well, how many times? I said, well, I don't know. So I was disqualified, which mm-hmm. meant we were disqualified as a team um, when we were leading. And then Tommy gets in and he's going to have won the tournament and he's done exactly the same thing. So we all ended up getting disqualified. Uh-huh. So what's what's pick and replace then? Well, it's the thing. I couldn't understand it. You had to pick the ball up and then replace it where you picked it up from. But of course, the ball was often, but it was plugged quite often. And so then you had to take relief from the plug. I mean, it made little sense. So it was just an opportunity to clean your ball, wasn't it? Yeah. No, we're going to, we're going to title this pod, Eddie Pepperell cheating scandal. (laughs) 
Exclamation mark. Yeah. Exclamation mark. <laughs> anyway, the point I wanted to make about Emiliano Grillo is that in Argentinian Spanish, double L is not a Y. It's a J sound. So is Emiliano yes. Grillo Grillo? Because uh, you, as a Leicester fan, would know Horatio Aguja. Was it, was it Horatio Aguja, the prop forward yeah. to play it for? Yeah, Aguja. Yeah. Aguja. Um, Aguja, as we called him in Leicester. Aguja. What? I don't know what I was doing there. Um, but so is it Emiliano Grigio? And I was going to say we could ask him this week, but he's on the PGA Tour. So, uh, well, it was Ballesteros, wasn't it? Yes. but yes. It wasn't Ballesteros. Well, you're not listening to what I was saying there, Ian. Spanish is yeah, is a Y sound, but right, Argentinian sorry. Spanish, and it's only in Got certain you. regions of mm. Argentina that it has a Je sound. So is Grigio a Grigio or is he Grillo? He's not a Grillo, as the Americans would call him. We need to we need to find out. Is this the the ambition of the podcast of twenty twenty four when Emiliano is leading the Open? And, yes, and, and he's announced by uh, the starter as Grillo. Mm. We need to find out from Emiliano himself. Um, is he a Grillo or a Grillo? Good. Keith Peggy has left. Well, he's not left yet. Hang he on, just is, before we move oh, on to that, just got a couple of things for you um, from Sony. Ben Silverman, who finished in a share of 18th, Monday Q Info on, on X uh, highlighted this. He shot 116 in a competition as a 16-year-old. He then went to Florida Atlantic University, became an owl there, got himself good enough to get onto the PGA Tour. Sorry, became a what there? An owl. The, 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 the owls, Florida, uh, F, FAU, they're, they're the owls at Fort right. Lauderdale. Yeah. Okay. Uh, apparently. Anyway, um, so he got on the tour, uh, lost his card. He's come back. This is his first event back and posts a top 20. And also, Carl Yuan, who finished in a share of fourth, he was 126th on the money list last year, moved up to 125 when Ram left for live. Oh, yeah. And he comes in and, and finishes fourth. But also does it courtesy of what looked a very kind of generous rules thing where he flayed the ball into a hospitality area. It may well have gone out of bounds, but no one could say for certain that the ball had gone out of bounds or that it went into hospitality. And he it, it, it was deemed virtually certain that the ball went into hospitality tent, so he got a free drop, made a final round 63 and finished tied fourth. Good mm. stories. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Eddie started his online check-in during that story. I don't know what he's looking at. <laughs> so, no, I like all this detail. This is great detail that we give you. Deep dives into the yeah. tournaments. The little things yeah. that you might not have uh, might not have noticed. Uh, yeah, so um, Keith uh, Pelly. So uh, he's off. He's off to, well, he will be off on April the 2nd, uh, heading back to his native Toronto to become president and CEO of Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. I think they have four of Toronto's sports franchises. Um, what are Toronto? Are they Raptors? Or are they Toronto? Yeah, uh, the Raptors. Uh, there's uh, oh, the Flumps. I knew all these. So. Uh, the Toronto oh. Flumps. Somebody's somebody's on. Ollie will be onto it. So the Raptors. Uh, what do they do? Basketball. Basketball. Mm. Yeah, I used yeah. to when I used to follow basketball. Did you? Mm. I used to like basketball when I was a bit younger. Yeah, you I actually you... played for the school team. I was useless. I couldn't even. Can score a layup, but uh, I used to enjoy wearing my little headband. Um, surprising people who can dunk, who could dunk a basketball. 
Mark Steinberg was a very good basketball player. Tiger Woods manager, Justin Bruce. He could dunk a basketball in his time. And he's not that tall. He would only be 5'11 or so. Or something like that. So uh, Dustin Johnson, he can dunk a basketball. I did the first network radio commentary on basketball on Radio 5 Live. Did you? Yes. Oh, we've got to dig that out from somewhere. That would be fantastic. <laughs> do you know, do, were you party to the, the one year when we stayed in Augusta, there was a, a basketball hoop, as there are in so many, above the garage door uh, in, in the American yes. house we were staying in. And we played a game of basketball, so two on two, John Murray, Alistair Bruce Ball, Graham McMillan, who was the producer, uh, me, I think you were involved. Anyway, so that's not two on two, that's... But anyway, uh, skins and shirts. And um, it was the worst to, if anybody had seen this, it was five white men can't jump, can't do anything, can't shoot, can't. I, I think it went on for about an hour before anybody actually, anybody actually, you know, wheeled a three pointer. Uh, no, there were no three pointers. There were, it was just, it was, it was, it was the worst display of basketball. If anybody had seen that, you know the USA and filmed it. Our shame would be complete. They would have actually cancelled basketball. They would have just annulled the but sport. But did you have a good time? As a result, I had a good time. Yeah, we always had a good time at Augusta. It's a it's a, a very enjoyable. So that's week. all that matters. He said wistfully as piano music, sad piano music starts behind them. Yes, right. So Keith Pelly is off to do the Toronto sports franchises. So Guy Kinnings, uh, no real surprise there, is going to take over on the second of April. Um, but Pelle asked to stay on for this sort of uh, an extra three months is he believes that this merger deal with Piff that we talk about when is the distance coming together the harmony of golf and actually that it might not be too far away at all so what do you think Ian that um, chances of some sort of harmonious tour by then I think that's kind of the next uh, deadline that's that's been put in place since they went past uh, December thirty one, but how close they are. I mean, it, the more that we've heard about um, the negotiations leading up to December thirty one. I mean, I heard that they were being delayed because the PGA Tour were in their talks with the Strategic Sports Group, um, and then of course you saw how Liv responded to that by signing um, John Rahm. And I think the extent of the negotiations pre-December 31 were Jay Monaghan talking to Yasser Al-Rumyan on the phone. So that doesn't... And and now everyone's just talking about the complexity of it all to try and bring this all together. Um, and I can see why Keith Pelly would love to, to put a... a you know, a full stop on it all before he leaves. But I wonder whether it's his his task now, because obviously Guy Kinnings is the man who's going to be taking over and be be running this in whatever form it, it takes once a negotiation has been concluded and whichever way that goes. Eddie, are you looking forward to getting some uh, angry phone calls from Guy Kinnings instead of Keith Pelley? How will you know? Guys, guys, we've known Guy for a long, 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 long time. I mean, people know he started off at IMG and there was a Monty's manager, among other. But you know, he's a he's a good guy, as they say. But um, it's a tricky old time for anyone coming in. To but maybe it's a good time coming in because maybe there will be this. Uh, you know, it's coming in when the it's like an incumbent president when the the economy coming in when the, the economy is about to boom. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a bad time to be coming in. I mean, you know, there's certainly a degree of security that, that Keith is leaving the tour with in terms of this uh, strategic alliance agreement and certainly 
in terms of the underpinning of price funds for a few years. So I think that's probably going to take some pressure off Guy as CEO for however long he, he's CEO. Um, and I suppose if things don't quite pan out, you, you could point back to Keith's time and say, well, I, I wasn't responsible for the negotiations, et cetera. As to whether this is achievable in the next three months, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, when, when it was first announced back in June, we were told that they were hoping to have this done by the open, which seemed crazy, but uh, and obviously was <laughs> way unrealistic. Uh, and and I also saw on X, and, and of course, not everything is true on that platform, but what? that, that uh, Jay Monaghan just had another phone call with uh, Yasir, but it was, they alluded to it being the only first phone call since the one months ago. So that doesn't suggest there's been a lot of coordination going on there either. So um, yeah, instinctively, I, I think the PJ Tour are certainly looking for as much backing uh, outside of PIF as they can find. And um, that seems to be the, the vibe I'm getting with all of this. I, I just thought it was really interesting that Rory McIlroy was was quite um, damning in his faint praise almost of, of, of Guy Kinnings in that he said, yes, Guy would be great as a, as a stopgap. And then the point was made to him that actually he's taken over permanently. Um, and I mean, again, it's always difficult to do this because I wasn't there. So I'm reading the quotes rather than hearing them. Yeah. But it didn't sound to me like, you know, what Rory was saying was that he was, I mean, he was effusive in his praise of, of uh, Keith Pelly, and he was very praiseworthy of Martin Slumbers as well. Um, and I think that, you know, from a European point of view, McElroy is going to be a, a very important uh, voice in in all that that sort of kicks off uh, in the in the coming weeks and months. I would suggest. Yeah, I mean, I I I I did see that and did equally thought thought it was faint praise of guys. I said someone who we've known and worked with for many 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 years. So um, perhaps we're a little bit prejudiced in our opinion of guy. Guys, a very very bright man. So. Um, we shall see, but uh, who knows what has uh, what has gone on behind closed doors. And, and guys helped, you know, been instrumental behind the uh, the Ryder Cup and turning that event into what it has now become. So I think guys have done a pretty excellent job actually at the tour mm. in the last few years and Ryder Cup and securing other tournaments. And um, he's a tireless worker. And I've always, to be honest with you, really enjoyed spending time with Guy. But um, yeah, you know, to your point originally, Andrew, he may have to pick the call up, pick the phone up to me if, if I tweet something that, uh, that he doesn't like moving forward and maybe give me a wrap around knuckles the way Keith did. Oh, good times. Good times. Right. So, uh, the other, uh, high profile, high profile figure departing is Martin slumbers at the end of the year, but that'll be 10 years that he was done. And he, he always said he was going to be here for five to 10 years. I think in October this year, it would be, uh, what are you, you're nine, you're holding up, you're holding up many nine fingers years. there. Nine years. Oh, I read nine that it was years. ten. There would be ten uh, in, in October this year. Um, mm, we're I, all doing the maths now. It's he not did, difficult. Well, he math, did the handover it? with Peter Dawson in 2015 at St Andrews? Something I've read on social media is wrong. Then mm. what? So, yeah, nine. I believe. Okay, well, nine, nine years. So between five and ten years, he said he was going to do. So he's at the upper end of that. And I, I think he seems to be leaving with universal praise about being a. You know, again, that has to. You're always dancing around as as CEO of the RNA, especially through these times when you've got uh, equipment to deal with, when you've got the ch seismic changes in the last couple of seasons to deal with, that you can't be uh, aggressively one side or the other, but you still have to be forthright. And I think Martin Slumbers has, when necessary, been been very strong on certain things, while at the same time being the diplomat that you have to be as well, and a nice, a nice guy. So I I I think he he would leave with. Uh, 
with the praise ringing in his ears, probably. I think he's been a very significant figure um, in terms of changing the RNA, the way the RNA is perceived, but the way the RNA is run. Um, you know, some people will not like the fact that the Open is now an all-ticket event, but it is much more corporately slick as a result of that. They have data on every spectator who goes to the Open now, and it's not the more haphazard kind of charming um, Open Championship that it was in, in the past. But he's a hard-nosed businessman. And also, you know, you think back to is, – is that Mabel? That's Mabel, is that sorry. Mabel? Yeah. sorry. That's right. But if you think back to when Muirfield had their vote to say we're going to maintain a male-only uh, membership and within, within an hour Martin Slumbers was saying, well, if that remains the case, then Muirfield will no longer be on the open rotor. And that was a very early in his, in his tenure and that was a massive call to make. Uh, and I think testament to it is that now you look back at it and go, well, yeah, that's obvious. And of course, Muirfield changed their membership policy. They're back on the open rotor, although they've not been scheduled uh, subsequently. Um, but it was a big call at that time. And I think it laid down the blueprint for the way that he wanted to run the game. And I think, you know, in every quarter, the golf industry would look at him as saying he was a very, very effective leader. You're listening to the Chipping Forecast, and like all forecasts, it's hit and miss whether they get it right or wrong. Now, I want to take a minute, I'll just sit right there, tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bel Air. Uh, no, I'll take a minute here to tell you about NordVPN. Eddie will be using his out on his four-week tour of the Middle East. You can use Nord to watch events, TV shows, films, which might not be available in your region by switching cleverly, your virtual location to a country which is showing the event. With Nord, you can protect your private data like bank details, passwords, online identity. Uh, NordVPN's threat protection feature does what it says on the tin. Uh, protects you from viruses, malicious malware and phishing sites. It is the fastest VPN in the world. No buffering, lagging while streaming and it stops your ISP bandwidth throttling. NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee a month. And uh, one NordVPN account can be used on up to six devices. And to grab our huge discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash chipping. And that code will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There is no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Exclamation mark. It says here. Also, the link is in the podcast episode description box. So there's no excuse. Uh, I mean, there is an excuse, but if you want to get onto it, then you can do it there. Hi, I'm Colin Montgomery, and I'm crushing it on the Peloton right now. Ah, oh, Monty's still crushing it on Peloton. There's some people a bit confused because we do have ads on the podcast now, so uh, just way of the world. Um, but um, yeah, so don't get confused when there are fake ads coming in for um, for for. Um, 1970s VPN or um, or Monty crushing in a peloton. I'm sure you can tell the difference. Anyway, um, <laughs> just we're going to have an edit point. Uh, we have done some editing here. There was a bit of off mic chat, but some of the chat that can stay in is that Eddie said he nearly burned the house down last night. So um, share, Eddie. Well, you know, we've only been custodians of the house for a year, and it's been here about 500 years. And I nearly burned it down last night. I, I, there was some we put some candles by the 
opened fire and the wax had obviously trickled down and a big clump was just on the floor. And I thought, oh, I'll throw that on the ashtray where, you know, all of the wood burns onto, thinking nothing of it. And um, an hour later when the fire had burned, it was, this ashtray was just on fire. Obviously mm. all the, as you can imagine. And, and, and Jen did have to shout at me a few times and we opened all the doors and the windows and there was smoke everywhere and uh, yeah, a bit worrying. <laughs> did your Jen- smoke alarm go off? <laughs> Well, no, it didn't, thankfully, because I don't think we've got one of those. <laughs> no, no, we do. We do have one of those. <laughs> it didn't, thankfully, because it doesn't exist. Anyway, Jen did have to shout at me a few times. Eddie, you seem to spend a lot of your life being shouted at by Keith Pelly, by Jen, by... I uh, just got no common sense. No. I know. Well, that's, a, that's an, uh, an underrated trait, common sense. Top golfer, my fire hell. Oh, exactly. <laughs> oh, we've got, we've got all sorts of things we can title this pod. Anyway, uh, what was I going to move on to? Oh, I've also been drilling this week. So my dad's been giving me DIY tips. So I bought myself a drill. And and in fact, once years ago, I went after practice into Screwfix to buy a drill. Oh, Screwfix. And, and all the bits. And I was wearing golf shoes and everything. And uh, I went in and I didn't realize what kind of shop it was, what kind of store it was. It's like an Argos type. Sorry, place, your golf it? shoes, were they still metal spikes? Were you clattering around Screwfix? No, no, these are the Pro SLs and uh, comfy as ever. And... I was walking, I ended up finding myself walking around the back thinking this is not like a normal shopping experience. And obviously then I realized this is like Argos where you go to the front and you put in the code and what you want. So I bought a drill worth a couple hundred quid and mine's were good back then. And um, and I left the shop with everything, got in the car where I thought I had everything, was about to drive out. And the woman came around at the shop and said, you've left your drill. What are you doing? And uh, I nearly left my 200 pound drill on, on the counter. So uh, mm. that's an environment I wasn't comfortable in. But I was doing some drilling this week with my Bosch and... Um, Bosh. And my dad was having to tell me to use the right drill bits to get through the masonry. And I was getting it all wrong, as you can imagine. So when I was about your age, oh, and incidentally, it was a, a tweet from somebody. Oh, where is it? Anyway, it was in relation to a clip we put up last week, you know, the video clip, and said, I had no idea Andrew Votter, he, a V at the start, I mean, it's very close to the C in the keyboard. I had no idea Andrew Votter was so young. Um, I thought That's he was... That's how you pronounce it in Argentina. <laughs> Andrew Votter. Uh, was so young. I thought he was a like an Alex Hay granddad figure, which is uh, Alex Hay, but unkind. Anyway, there we are. Thank you very much indeed to to you and to my soft focus lens um, for doing its work magically. Anyway, when I was your age, Eddie, I did exactly the same thing and went out and because I've got a I've got a, a Bosch drill. Oh my goodness, the sponsorship in this podcast this week, Screwfix and Bosch. So and I bought uh, a mason and all the masonry bits as well because I wanted to pretend that I could do it. So I've got two toolboxes filled with great stuff. And I've got this um, and this Bosch drill with various bits and some masonry drill bits as well. And I just, a very simple task of attaching a washing line to a concrete post in the fence. And that so that's at our last house. And it's if you went into that house now, first of all, the new owners would go, what are you doing? Uh, who are you? Um, but if you examine that concrete post now, you'd see this massive bit has been flaked off because I, I was so incompetent with my masonry drill that uh, it just uh, this huge crack appeared in the post and then this bit just sheared off. Um, so I'm not a man. I mean, I am, but um, I think it's a th- it's a rite of passage that all men go through in walking around B and Q, uh, screw fix, whatever it might be, just looking at stuff and going, yeah, that's a good drill that. God, it's a good draw. Yeah, I've got one of those. It's uh, is that a is that a point six? No, no, I need a point well, six. Well, my dad did the right thing. He came around and gave me some goggles and an electrical wiring 
you know, just to tell where the wires are. Cause I didn't even check for the wires. I was just oh, driven wantonly. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I occasionally just wander and just tapping walls and going, yeah, that's uh, that's just stud partition that. So <laughs> I don't really know what I'm talking about. I've just watched homes under the hammer a couple of times. Oh, you could open, you could open this up. Yeah. <laughs> I always get, I always get the wrong thing. I always, yeah. I, I, when I'm ever, I go around those stores, I go, yeah, that looks, that looks like the right thing. Yeah. That that's, and then get it home and then, get told by somebody else in the house who knows more about these things. No, go yeah. back. Go back. Go back with your magic they're, they're, beans. Yeah. <laughs> Mind you, it's uh, good we got some Bosch on because there's always a bit, bit of Bish and Bash, so a bit of Bosch. I watched Bosch last week, actually. Oh, someone emailed uh, emailed about your recommendations. Um, hang on a second. Simon Morrison, I wholeheartedly agree with Ian's assessment of slow horses on Apple TV, but... Mm. I would strongly recommend that you read the books. So I've started reading the books, not because of Simon Morrison's email, but I actually did start reading, is it Mick Heron? Yeah, yeah, they're really good. So I've started reading them. It says, as with so many adaptations, it's not possible to capture the whole impact story and nuances. The books are funny and dark and absolutely fantastic. You're missing something if you don't read them. So he's gone against Ian's recommendation there. He's sort of gone with it and then he's he's turned against him. Can I just say as well, I need to apologize because last week I made a comment about terrestrial TV being, you know, Pretty poor, and then I watch the post office drama, so I just need to take that back. You're watching The Masked Singer, that's not a BBC thing, but you it's terrestrial TV again. So. ITV, yeah, all the best ones are on ITV. I'm watching The Traitors, that was going to be one of my recommendations, actually. Is that, is that on the BBC, Ian? Yeah, it's on the BBC, Claudia mm. Winkleman. And it did, it really got me thinking that you know, you could do like a golf version of The Traitors, so you'd have like 22 golfers in there, and and three or four of them would be secretly live and and then you and everyone would just be trying to find out who it who it was honestly it is the one tv reality tv program that i would i really would like to go on i'd love to do the traitors if they did no i'm not going to say it well we used to play this game as friends but we called it it was known as mafia to us but we, we played it years ago and then obviously it's now on tv under traitors but uh yeah, it, yeah, it's great. It's great. I great. really enjoy it. I never watched it. No. Oh, no. you need to see that. My other recommend this week. I haven't got a golf one because it's sort of. Oh, hang on a second. I'm sorry. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, here we go. Ian recommends. This one will be tricky for you, Andrew, because it will it will require you to leave your house and actually be with other people. Oh, I'm I'm out. You need to go to uh, the King's Cross area of London. What? The what is this recommendation? The, <laughs> what are you recommending? The Light Room um, is a fantastic space uh, exhibition space, and there is an exhibition there called The Moonwalkers, and it's Tom Hanks. Uh, oh, yes. yeah, and it is absolutely stunning. It's one of the best 50 minutes you will ever spend. You go in there and you're surrounded by all the pictures from the moon landings and the takeoff and all of that kind of thing. Yeah. And it really made me think that it was a really good recommendation for this pod because I suspect that Eddie doesn't think that man landed on the moon. Why have I got this reputation? How, where's this reputation come from? Well, because there's a fine line between <laughs> um, between thinking that you're seeing the world as it really is and being a conspiracy theorist. And you dance along that fine line, I think, uh, quite a bit. Just because I had some scepticism around COVID, which we'll leave for another chat because obviously, Andrew, you know. 
Anyway, I'm actually having another vaccination right now. I've had 73 of them now. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> Love them. Uh, we did get, we'll be getting some one-star reviews for this now, but we got a one-star review on iTunes in the USA. Oh, did we? Chris Cusseter sent it to me, you know, former Scotland scrum army. He sent this to me because that's the kind of thing he likes to say and just abuse. Um, Scasting writes, the other guy in this pod is not a serious person. And I think he's referring to me because he says, such a distraction from the, it was, it goes on about the anti hunting rhetoric on the pod. Such a distraction from the great golf Harmon played, he spelled Harmon wrongly, played at the British. All, all because these sanctimonious journalists, in inverted commas, are so far disconnected from the real world. Sounds like Eddie might have written Why, it's not wrong there. Well, I'm not a journalist. Ian's a journalist. I'm not Sorry, a journalist. Sorry, he's wrong. Um, so there we go. But anyway, he's knocked us down to a 4.8 out of 5 with that oh, one-star no. review. Um, but that doesn't show in the UK. So, Did you see the footage of Brian Harmon ahead of the chip shot that he had? I think it was yesterday in the Sony, where he had 12 practice swings, which followed two air swings halfway between the ball and the, and the, the hole. And then... After the 12 practice swings, he then addressed the ball and glanced up 12 times before finally hitting a very mediocre chip. And you'd think to yourself, this is a sport that, you know, is starting to hemorrhage sponsors and is wanting to attract money from outside. And you just think, what is that spectacle? Yeah, but you see Keegan Bradley doing his aim point from two feet. That wins them all back, Ian, so don't worry about it. Oh, there you go. Yeah, of course. Honestly. Ken Wayne wins them all back. We got a nice email from uh, Mark Monroe. I have embarrassingly only just discovered the Chipping Forecast podcast this week. I heard the email from the lady last week saying how she loved listening as she drifted off to sleep. I regularly use podcasts to help me drift off on my all-too-often sleepless nights. That's a, an insight into the worried mind of Mark Monroe. When I saw there were 34 of yours to catch up on, I thought that's January sort, sorted for sleep. Um, 34 days, hath January. Last night I listened to Three in the Trot. Not a wink of sleep was had. They were enjoyable, entertaining, informative and funny. And hmm, vote for us in the Sports Podcast Awards. Um, I look forward to catching up with the rest during hours that are supposed to be awake ones. Keep up the excellent work. P.S. I can't recall ever being recommended food by a celebrity. Oh, that was uh, Laurie being recommended. Um, olives. Kalamata, Kalamata olives by Peter Gabriel. But my pal once overtook a car near Gullen and the driver of the other car, Ronnie Corbett, flicked my friend the V's. So- <laughs> <laughs> I like that for so many reasons because Ronnie Corbett was like he's, he's again by all accounts a lovely man but uh, but oh I love that anyway I saw Ronnie Corbett for the first time in real life in 1987 at the Open at Muirfield he was he was a Muirfield member um, and I couldn't believe how because everyone knew that Ronnie Corbett was short but I couldn't believe I was 14 at the time I just turned 14 and he was tiny I mean he really was mm. tiny but he was bustling around watching the Watching the goal, he he probably had one of those periscopes. What happened to them at golf tournaments? Yes, the periscopes. Yeah. Good question. That Phil Mickelson's dad invented and had the patent on um, those periscopes for watching golf. You just don't get them anymore. Maybe crowds were bigger back in the day, Ian. Um, but why why did they fade away? Well, you can't hold a periscope and a phone at the same time, can you? No, fair enough. And what's happened to the V's? No one flicks the V's anymore. It's a much more gratuitous, uh, yeah, it's a much more offensive one-fingered salute. The V sign was supposed to be, people said that it came from Agincourt, 
the Hundred Years' War and the archers, the the the, the English longbowmen. It, it was a signal that because if you're captured by the French, they would cut off two finger the two fingers, so they couldn't use their longbows. And so those archers who were pivotal to the success in the uh, in Agincourt um, used to wave their fingers apparently to show that they still had them and could use them. But this has been this has since been debunked. Um, because to 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 shoot a long a longbow, as Brian Harmon would tell you, um, you use three fingers. Um, but apparently, uh, Henry V said that to his gave it speech, <laughs> saying to what? <laughs> Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Yes, fair enough. So, uh, but I'll continue. Uh, that apparently you use three fingers to fire a longbow, and Henry V said in a speech that uh, the French, if they capture you, will cut off these three fingers. But anyway, that's not where it comes from, the V sign. So, um, but bring it back because it was less offensive. So, where does it come from, Glasgow? It come, <laughs> Glasgow invented in Glasgow. I don't know where it comes from. I don't. I don't know. It's gone. I think. I don't think anybody flicks the V's anymore. Do you think Grace and Murray and Rory McIlroy flicked the V's at each other when they had their little um, spat at the Canadian Open, going back to the winner of the, the Sony Open this week? Oh, you circled round there well. Yeah. So, if, if you remember what oh, what was this the meeting? It was, was, it, was, this the... it was the meeting in the wake of the June the sixth announcement, and McIlroy was obviously saying, you know, it's going to be okay, guys. And and Grace Murray said, what about us? You know that, and they've been termed the mules, haven't they? And then and McIlroy said to him, well, Grayson, all you've got to do is play better golf. And then uh, and and at that point, Grayson turned around to McIlroy and said, off. <laughs> Good. Well, to his credit, he, he's played better golf. He's so, played uh, better golf, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And I think a lot of people have been trying to stir him up about that, haven't they, with that, uh, uh, given, given his win. And, and, and what a way to do it, holding a 40-footer in a, in a playoff. Brilliant. Right, I'm, I'm in trouble here because I'm down to 8%. It's just said your Mac will soon go to sleep if you don't. I think well, a lot of people are going to sleep uh, imminently. So we better wrap things up here. And this week, uh, another email, and email us incidentally if you want, at the chipping forecast at foldingpocket.co.uk. An email from John Harkness as well. He talks about putting greens and their disappearance from seaside towns mostly. You know, Troon used to have huge putting, you know, mm. communal public putting greens that people used to come down and just putt. <laughs> I don't know, don't know where, they've, where they've gone. Anyway, more importantly, he said, I saw Ian at Turnbury during the Women's Open once. He walked past me. I was going to say hello, but I bottled it. I since watched, I watched on and all him and Jay Townsend at work for Five Live at St Andrews and Trun. Yeah. You shouldn't be in awe of Ian. Um, and I remember he once mentioned the electric bray. Actually, if you don't, don't go ever go to the electric bray if you think it's going to be this magical uh, experience. The electric bray just north of Tunbury. It's just. Uh, it's just ridiculous. It's just deeply disappointing. Little Aston Putting Green is probably the best one I've ever come across. Is, it, is there a better one in the country than that? Is it still going? Is it a public putting green? So not attached to our golf course? No, it is attached to the golf course. So I bet you can only get in there if, if you've got an OBE or something. But it's a wonderful putting green. Ooh. The best one is the Himalayas. Himalayas, in Andrews, yeah. the, the ladies' putting green. Yeah. fantastic. Is they it, have to use it as the second tee for the Open, don't they? But, is it just for the ladies? I mean, what is that what it's No, but that's the... That's historically, it was known yeah. As, yeah. It was historically, yeah. 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 Historically. Oh, many, right. a, many a happy memory on there. Maybe that's where we should have our match. No, I've got a venue for a match and it's all coming together and things will be revealed, hopefully. Um, Terrific. Terrific. Um, uh, finally, Donald on Twitter. Seamus Power can hit 300-yard drives left-handed. Uh, 
I think I might have mentioned that before. Right, okay, good. Uh, Eddie's off to the airport. Safe travels, Eddie, to Dubai for the Dubai Desert Classic. Uh, so this week is Dubai Desert Classic. And uh, in, on the PGA Tour, the West Coast Swing begins. The American Express at La Quinta in California. That used to be the Bob Hope Desert Classic. Used to play that over five rounds. Uh, four courses mm. and five rounds. But um, now it's the American Express. Um and yeah, Dubai Desert Classic. So, Eddie, are you ready? Pump, you got five percent of my battery to tell me how stoked you are for the start of your season. Um, yeah, I also had a bit of a panicky day in <laughs> practice a couple of days ago. So, uh, who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But I'm looking forward to a month away. What do you mean panicky day? What's... Oh, I wasn't hitting the ball very well, so uh, we'll we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, but that's but was that in on real turf at a real place? No, that... no, no. It was in the simulator, which makes okay. it even worse. No, but that's totally different. You just you just get out there in the real world in Dubai in the sunshine and just just enjoy it. Just embrace mm. being Eric Pepperell and <laughs> what my dad says. Just try and enjoy it. Just try and enjoy it. <laughs> we've got to meet. We've got to meet Big Ron. Right. Okay. I'll choose my moments, Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wander up to him the range. Still hitting it shit. Oh. <laughs> Did you see that green room thing that they introduced last week in Dubai where players straight after the round supposedly go into the little green room and answer questions? And I, and they had Bjorn going in after finishing with like a triple and a bogey. And I thought this, well, I was surprised that he had agreed to do that, but uh, that could that could end badly. No, he went in and they said, I'm sorry, the next five time slots have been booked out by Kenway and um, to talk through his <laughs> issues. So, oh yeah, they've got these mental recovery rooms in places now. So, cool. What happened to the... Days when you just go to the bar, drink yourself into a stupor. I, I feel a little, I mean, when I was considering becoming chairman of the committee before uh, other things occurred, I uh, one of my proposals was going to be that we have a, an on-tour therapist that travels around because uh, the mental health of a lot of golfers, as you might well imagine, is is in the bin, frankly. So, uh, you know, in spite of the money we play for, it's, um, it's not all what it might look like. So I don't think that's a terrible idea. Not that I necessarily will be going in myself, but I think across a 12-month period, it would be wise to have a bit more going on for the brain out of the golfers. The tour certainly take care physically of us like you wouldn't believe. And the money they spend on the physio trucks is is a, it's astronomical, frankly, across a 12-month period. So a bit of investment in the brain wouldn't be a bad thing. Okay, there we are. Well, I'm uh, now we've got to the good stuff. Now we have got to the good stuff. I thought we were saying farewell, and actually it's all, it's all just accelerating now, the pod. So I'm going to apply to become the first um, uh, psychotherapist for the VP <laughs> oh, World God. Tour. Well, I'm about um, to board a plane. I hope the doors don't open. So I need some therapy just to get on the next plane. I'm sure it will be fine. Uh, Only gone and blown the bloody dolls off. Who said that? It was Michael Caine. Oh, but it, yeah, yeah. He said, said it more in the voice of Michael Caine, though. Yeah. So, uh, mm. You were only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. Right. Good. Uh, on that corrective note, we will leave you and all. Enjoy the week in Dubai. And uh, well, you're out there in the Middle East now for four weeks, aren't you, Eddie? Mm. Yeah. Good. Have you said goodbye to the dogs? Uh, yeah, they're a bit sad, but uh, they're all good. I've got the pro sender on. I will be firing some rockets off those tees. Good. Right. Enjoy Enjoy your function tomorrow night as well. So, oh. right. Um, that's it, really. Bye-bye from, from us all, and we'll speak again next week. And when we write cheating in the title, capital letters. And that completes this edition of The Chipping Forecast. Wishing you a safe and pleasant night. Folding pocket.